Welcome to Business Talk Sister Rock. I'm Becca, and today's topic episode is running a massage school and business. And with me today, I have somebody that I have admired for a super long time because of how creative um, she is with trying to find employees and think outside of the box. Um, and thank you so much for being with me today, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. So I, my first question for you is, what do you do? And then maybe you can introduce like yourself and your business and all of that. Okay. Um, my name is Paula Van Balen. I own Ohana Therapeutic Massage and Ohana School of Massage in Hibby, Minnesota. We actually next Tuesday celebrate our decade on the range where it's been uh, 10 years since I opened Ohana Therapeutic Massage. Wow. Um, and about, yeah, yeah. That's when it still hasn't caught up to me that it's been 10 years. Um, it'll, the reality will hit on Tuesday when we have our big open house. Um, <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people. Um, about, oh gosh, it would have been about three years ago was when I decided that I was struggling to find employees. Um, and especially with being on the Iron Range, we tend to be a little bit more of a remote area where the closest massage school is about 70 miles away. And so it's really hard to get people to move from metropolitan areas up mm -hmm. onto like a rural area, um, unless they have something else bringing them here. Uh, and so Oh, there's so much story with that one. Um, I had tried, <laughs> I had tried at first, probably about three years before that, to partner with the local community college and try to get them to open a massage school. But they, between structure changing with the community college and satellite programs and all of, there was a lot of issues with them um, that they just said they couldn't make it happen. And so I decided to make it happen on my own. Anyway, but we'll get into that later. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so who I am and what I do, I do, I got trained as a traditional massage therapist. I have my associate's degree for about 14 years now. Um, what makes us a little bit different than other massage therapy places is we really believe in creating partnerships with our clients to help their bodies do what it was originally created to do, which is heal itself. And so, so much of what we do isn't the, I'm going to beat the crap out of you deep tissue. It's more of creating a partnership where the body feels safe to let go of bracing mechanisms so that true healing can occur. Um, so that's a little bit about what we do. Um, this has been an evolution and process for about 14 years. I started as a really aggressive deep tissue therapist and just slowly changed my tune over the years and I'm finding other practitioners in the area who share my same um, philosophies when it comes to healing and they are coming aboard and we're slowly growing, but it takes time like many things. So yeah, so that, <laughs> that's so many things and I feel like that kind of got into a little bit of the why you do it. Um, so tell me a little bit about the how and how do you do what you do? Because I know just saying, oh, yeah, now I have a massage school. Most people don't even realize how incredibly difficult that is to get certified with the department of like education. And yeah, how did that happen? And, and how did you go about that? Oh, gosh. OK. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> My very, very first step when I first started had this idea of a massage school, I have done various business mastermind programs over the years because education is something that I really, really believe in. It's a really, really strong foundation for my values in life is to continue, continually seek growth and education. And so I was in this mastermind group with a gentleman named Greg Todd, and it just hit me that if nobody's willing to 
build this massage school for you or do this massage for you. The, the iron needs, range needs more massage therapists. And so you just got to build it by yourself. And so my very, very first step was to go get a book called The Manual for Massage Therapy Educators by Laura Allen and Ryan Holm, just to kind of get a groundwork of what, what actually does it take to build this school. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you, it is way more work than I ever thought it would be. Um, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> like one of those road tested glasses, like, oh, this has got to be easy. Other people have done it before. There is surprisingly not a lot of real solid, cohesive information on how to do this. Yeah. No, I was actually like surprised when you said, I read this book. I'm like, there's a book for that. That's amazing because a lot of <laughs> industries don't even have that. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, it is. And this is where, oh, I, I lovingly say massage therapy is one of those careers that nobody really knows what to do with um, because we're not quite medical, but we're not quite luxury. And so as an industry as a whole, we've kind of always had to be nomads um, and we've always had to kind of do our own thing and like put our own shoes on that there wasn't a lot of outside help for us because mm-hmm. we're not really in one perfect place in the industries that our society has created so far. Um, and so in, in that way, we there are some resources, but because there is so much disconnect about who's medical massage and who's spa massage and who's relaxation and who, all these different labels for what we do, there is no solid like licensing across the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, in the state of Minnesota, there is no solid licensing across the entire state. Everything is regulated city by city. And so as I'm doing my research, I have to find, okay, in the iron range where we are at, what is the average amount of education needed for these students to get a certificate in whatever city they want to practice in? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, it ranges, like I know Itasca County doesn't require anything currently. Um, Virginia requires 500 hours, Hibbing requires 600 hours, Duluth requires 500 hours and odd. So there's all these different numbers out there. And so I just for some reasons, landed on 625, just was kind of what I wanted to go with, like, just know. to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's amazing, like, think about that, I mean, you can't just, first of all, you can't, the, the reason you're struggling to hire is because you have to be certified, like, right, yes. because the, the state says you can't practice this unless you have education, so that they're not liable for anybody getting hurt or whatever, but at the same time, it's like, each each city is navigating what does that actually mean to be certified and that's that's tricky it's very very tricky and actually I mean there was so much learning that I did with this um the state doesn't have a statewide license but they're really really pushing for it and their their goal right now is to have it enact by 2023 um because the amount of actual human trafficking issues that have come up with mm. the massage industry, but as well as the massage schools um, in the States, not, not all the massage schools, but there have been a couple of problem children is what I call them, where schools were either knowingly or unknowingly participating in human trafficking. And when you, when the state of Minnesota says they want to have a sit down with you to inspect your school, the first thing out of their, that you expect to hear out of their mouth is not human trafficking, just let you know. Um, and so that wow. kind of blindsided me and highlighted so many other industry like issues yeah. that our industry is having. Mm-hmm. Um, back and that's to that, a though. scary thing, you know, like, so it's good that oh, they're yeah. saying you need to be certified. You need these things so that there's more accountability so that you can fight back against that kind of stuff. Because 
Yeah. Well, and just to make sure that you're keeping everybody safe. And from yeah. an educator standpoint, it's making sure that I know the warning signs on if somebody is trying to push somebody through my program to put them in human trafficking. Like they gave me so many tools and resources to be able to recognize that kind of um, behavior so that I can put a kibosh to it from the, from the front end. Um, wow. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> like I would have never imagined that being something you also have to be careful of and cognizant of like, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole thing in and of itself. Um, during this process though, I actually coincidentally found out that with the new state license that they're proposing 625 hours is the hours that the state had settled on it to be a good amount too. And so I was like, <laughs> Oh, perfect. Well, that's nice. <laughs> so did I answer that question? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you did. You, you rocked okay. it. Okay, Perfect. so let me ask you a little bit about as you started running the school, because um, I know when I had asked you about it, when you just started launching, you were like, yeah, I'm looking for somebody in this area of expertise or whatever to try to help me. How did you go about building the curriculum and, and saying this is a justifiable thing that I should be doing with the state? So, so this is where it's really, really nice, the different factions of accreditation boards in the massage industry. There's um, three main ones, the FS. FS, I mean, I always mess up these acronyms. Um, the FSMTMB, which is the Federation of State Massage Therapy Boards, they basically have created the entrance level exam for what is considered a beginner massage therapist. And so luckily, because that kind of cohesively goes across most of the nation, I was able to use their groundwork as a template of how many hours I need in each category. Mm -hmm. um, and their basic hours is 500 hours. And so I was able to just add the extra hours where I saw it would be appropriate to add more training, um, given my own experience um, with my education, as well as other employees that I've had over years of where was their education lacking so that hopefully I can give our students a leg up on what my education and my, and my other co colleagues education gave them. Um, and then combine that with NCBTMB, which is the National Certification Board for Therapeutic Massage and Bodywork. And then Comida is the highest levels are like the creme de la creme in the massage uh, industry. And they have a national certification that is quite the process to get. Um, and you can't mm. even apply for it until you have two years of graduating students. Oh, and okay. so is that, yeah, your, they're is that like, <laughs> my goal is to get there. I don't think I'll be able to get there this year, um, partly because because of the, the high next level of that certification process it is also incredibly um, time and cost effective. And so it's a lot of those, you got to balance out what you're able to produce as a small school and what will having this certification add when I already follow most of their requirements, Okay, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because when you're looking at putting $30,000 into a certification process, you really have to justify it. Wow. Yeah. And is that because you have to like pay like a, almost like a franchise fee to them or what, what is it that costs that much? Or is it just your time that you're putting in? It's our time and their time. They actually send somebody to inspect all of your school records, to inspect your classroom, to actually mm -hmm. sit okay. in on your lessons, to making sure, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very, very intense, but the benefit of it is that that's how you start qualifying as a massage school, um, for federal assistance. Because right now, because we're a private career school, we don't qualify for federal assistance unless we were to get this COMA certification. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah. Wow. What does that even, t- I don't even have that as a question, but I want to know what does it mean to get federal assistance? What is that? Is that because it's like a, like you're saying you're private right now, but you would want to go public in the future. What does that mean? Yeah, we can still stay private. It would be that um, basically the federal government sanctions that this is a legitimate program. And so they're requiring, they rely on Comida to meet those regulations because obviously the federal government's organizations for education can't inspect every single private school. So they're relying on this to be kind of the middleman to make sure that it is a legit program that isn't setting people up for failure or anything like that. So that's where it comes down to getting the um, Stafford loans and the uh, unsubsidized Stafford loans, those kind of loans. People can't use that um, because that's all government funded money. They for can't students. do that for our schools. Right. Yes. So to like yep. be able to get like a loan to go there. Got you. Got you. Correct. Correct. Okay. Well, good to know. I, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> okay. So what about like now that you've been up and running for a while, what would you have done differently the first time you started out? Well, I would have done a lot more work on the front end. Um, I probably would have pushed <laughs> Wouldn't it through we all? so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like any business adventure. What would you do? I would have planned more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh my gosh, the year COVID hit was the year the school opened. So like, I, it was a series of happy accidents that delayed the opening of the school probably by about nine months. Um, between the state government deciding they needed to do extra inspections, which obviously I found out later why they were doing extra inspections. And then COVID hit so that my, like my, my massage business was shut down. And I was like, well, if my massage business is shut down. I can't justify having a massage school be open because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. Um, and so we pushed it back until September. Um, and then you have that, I, I think every business owner goes through this, where you have that like delusional hope of like, I got this. I don't need to stress about this. <laughs> and then reality hits and you're like, I probably should have stressed about this a little bit more, um, but <laughs> it all works out. Yeah. So, all right. Going back to the original problem, because I, I remember like years ago, um, we were talking about like the, the hiring problem right now. So mm-hmm. has this helped you resolve the hiring problem you were originally trying to solve? It, it hasn't currently. Okay. Maybe uh, but we're too I early. Really, but I really don't mind. Okay. Um, so as I've gone through this process, originally, it was funny because originally I was like, oh, this might help solve my employment issues because it's so hard to get people to come to the range for massage and everything like that. But then as this whole process has evolved, it's become so much more. Um, and a lot of people ask me, like, why am I training my competition and all of these other silly yeah, questions? Yeah, I mean, that's opinion. a good question for some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that's I have a really flippant view on it because I know deep down that every massage therapist has their own unique flavor. And just because one flavor doesn't fit you, it doesn't mean that it's not going to fit somebody else. And so this whole idea that there's so much competition and we have to be fighting over people and all this other stuff doesn't really honor people's unique individuality. Um, Because I certainly know I am not the right massage therapist for everybody. I know that. And I'm okay with that. And so being able to train people really allows me to highlight where they can be strong and where they can go in their career. But also it really helps me refine and enhance of what I'm looking for in a massage therapist as well to work with my team. And so Mm -hmm. it's allowed me to be, I'm so much more selective about who I'm hiring now. Um, 
uh, because I know so much of what Ohana stands for. And I'm, I'm not willing to just kind of hire anybody. And that doesn't mean that none of my students have been qualified, um, like the graduating school students from last year. Um, but I'm not also not going to push them to give up their freedom because so many massage therapists want to be independent and we do employees. And so if they really want to do the independent route, I'm not going to hold it against them. That's their own choice in life. Yeah. So let me ask you, since that is a super common thing for people to want to be independent, uh, what made you decide I'm going to have employees versus like subcontractors or whatever? What, how did you go through that process of this is what I need to be as a business owner? Oh, that's, that's, there's a lot going on with that question. Um, when I was down in the cities before I moved up onto the iron range, I was a misclassified worker, um, where I was, uh, 1099 for tax reasons. Uh, but she controlled almost everything about my schedule, which is an employee and mm -hmm. going, going through that kind of experience, I vowed to never do that to somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. because that's, with, yeah, misclassification is a really big deal for tax reasons too. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the massage industry is one of those ones that's getting flagged more and more, just like hairstylists mm -hmm. of the IRS is starting to flag that you generally are hiding something. And it's not because they don't trust us. It's because too many people have proven that they're hiding, they're hiding stuff. So the government is like, well, as an overall, people aren't being honest. So we're just going to kind of inspect people more. Um, or maybe even they didn't even know. You know, because I, I hear well, that from a lot of people yeah. that it's like, oh, this is just the way it's always been done. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean yes. it's right. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. There is that too. Um, there is very, very much that too. And I think in that regard, sidetrack a little bit, this is where COVID really shone a light mm -hmm. on it's a financial tracking for a lot of people who are independent contractors, specifically people who either hid money um, is one of the ones that when you can't prove you have income coming in, then the government can't reimburse you for income that you didn't show you had coming in. And I, saw, I heard of that with quite a few massage therapists because they were not necessarily practicing legally um, because you always just don't claim cash. And now it came to point where you could get government help and now they couldn't because they didn't have any paperwork to justify what they were saying they made. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, that's a whole nother. Oh, yeah. No, I was just conversation <laughs> with somebody yesterday about business valuation and how that really negatively imp impacts that when you want to sell your business in the future, too. So, yes. yeah, so yes, definitely interesting. OK, so that that gives a good um a good segue into some other things I want to talk about for our gawk portion today. <laughs> but first, I want to ask you to tell me um, where people can find you. Um, people can find us if you're local. We have a storefront office, obviously, at 208 East Howard Street in Hibbing. Otherwise, um, we are we have a fairly strong Facebook presence, as that's the big social media that we focused on over the years. So Ohana School of Massage, and then we have Ohana Therapeutic Massage. Currently, we have the clinic and the school separate because they have slightly different um, messages. And then we also have mm -hmm. a website for each. We have www.ohanatherapeutic.com for the clinic and then www.ohanaschoolofmassage.com for the school. 
And don't confuse Ohana with Obama because most people's cell phones will autocorrect it. So (laughs) (laughs) never would have thought of that. That's really funny. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And that's, and it's good to know too, especially if you're, if somebody is considering becoming a massage therapist that you can run it as a business if you go through the schooling process. So that's really exciting as well. Um, Okay. So the gawk portion, we were talking about the struggles of having a storefront with big windows. And <laughs> I want you to tell me about this because I, I, there's a bunch of stories here that I think are pretty entertaining. <laughs> so um, every once in a while, I mean, you're a massage therapist, so you work in a dark room all day. So you don't really think sometimes that not people in the outside world can see you until you come out and we have big bay front windows. And there have been several instances where we've gone through and had that oh my gosh people can see us moment one of them (laughs) like like, don't do this um one of them we had somebody who was changing a storefront sign because we have this big sandwich board that sits out on the road and they were bending over to change it and I walked up and all I saw was them like doing I don't can't remember what yoga pose it is where you have straight legs and you're just bent straight forward and I was like um everybody walking by on the street has a really really good view of your bum right now you might want to turn <laughs> and so and it was a it was a young person and they were like completely embarrassed I'm like nope it's okay totally do this all the time you have no idea how many times I've been changing the decorations in the window just minding my own business and then going Paula you're literally leaning on the window with your bum to help put this out like you need to just there's a bank across the street Bankers tend to be really, really strict people, so they're probably not okay with this. Very well reserved. Well, I mean, I reserved, mean, not strict. Yeah. Maybe they're just like, okay, that's kind of entertaining. Somebody's doing yep. something. But I mean, obviously, it's not your goal to entertain everyone else. No, no, yeah. no. But the the ninja moves up and down the hallway probably have begged to differ on those. But we're just we yeah, just enjoy enough. what we do. No, yeah, and we were just we were talking before this, and I was like, oh, that reminds me of when in my big fat Greek wedding when she's on the phone in the tourism office, and she just like gets up and the phone cord is still attached, and she just totally falls on the ground, and this guy sees her from outside. It's like, oh, that's embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> Oh, oh. oh, well, thank you so much for being with me today. I have really enjoyed our conversation and I learned a lot. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And if you're listening and you enjoyed this episode, you can give this podcast, Business Talk Sister Gok, a review on Spotify now because they now have reviews. And I Yay. will see you next week. <laughs>